world of dog sports has lots of options to keep your dog's four paws busy. Let's dive deeper in four paws sports. Welcome back to episode number five of the Four Paws Sports uh, podcast here. I'm Jeff, and I'm joined here with Mary. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? Doing pretty good. We got uh, we got some nice weather this week. Uh, so far, we've uh, had uh, summertime weather. It's been 70 degrees yesterday, so that was fun for training. I actually said, I don't know if it's too hot to train at this point. So uh, never thought I'd say that in the first day of March. Wow. Yeah. We can't say that it's quite that warm here in Iowa, but I was out training before we recorded tonight in my driveway as opposed to doing it in the living room. So that was a nice change. So yeah, actually it's kind of, there's a little bit, but most of it's gone. So, and you know, you can go outside and not completely. We like uh, that. Not to brag, but my yard is dry, and I can uh, I can walk out barefoot without having to worry about coming out with muddy feet. Okay, we're not friends anymore <laughs> now. So, <laughs> oh, I see. Wow, that was a really delicate <laughs> friendship. shift. <then. laughs> uh, well, it was good to know you. The podcast lasted for five, four, four episodes and a small fraction. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy everybody. Uh, we'll talk right. to you later. Well, you know, that's the way to be not my friend is in the first of March. Be like, oh, I can be outside barefoot. Yeah. So all you people listening in warm places, just I don't even want to hear about it. Just saying. <laughs> oh, well, there's no jealousy. Mary uh, Mary holds no resentment for uh, warm weather states, which, I mean, to be honest, it's Missouri tomorrow. Like tonight it's raining. So tomorrow I could wake up with uh, 30 degree weather again tomorrow and I go back to wintertime. <laughs> Well, see, exactly. And I'm excited because the frost on the cars actually thaws in a, you know, after the sun's been up for a little bit, as opposed to having to actually defrost the car before you go anywhere. Because, again, the weed poles are in the garage still <laughs> instead of the vehicle because we have our priorities in my house and, and it is not I mean, cars in the garage. <laughs> well, you know, speaking speaking of garages, I, I was spoiled this weekend because I went up to Wisconsin. And I judged up there, did a little uh, ISC on uh, Friday, and then uh, judged uh, UKI on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, God love uh, God love Shauna because she put me up uh, in a very nice hotel that uh, uh, had the underground parking garage. So uh, I experienced what life with a car in the garage was because uh, living on my own for now 17 years, I have never had a garage for my car. So uh, I think that's on my list of things when I go buy a house is a garage now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I say I have a nice one. It's a nice two car garage and I just organized it all not that long ago. So it's all freshly, beautifully organized. And then it got snowy and Antic needed to work as we pulled. So we didn't even think twice. We backed the cars out of the garage, laid down some mats and the weed poles are in there. And so Hopefully, though, I think go. we're supposed to have maybe a little ice and snow a little later next week, but then maybe they can move outside and stay outside because, you know, right. of course, then the weather is nice and you don't care as much if your car is outside or inside. That's when mine will be in the garage. But, you know, again, priorities. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and priority is always train the dogs. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Cars do not. Right now. Right. <laughs> well, right now, my priority is getting uh, prep for nationals because we're coming down to, 
Well, T-minus uh, three weeks now. Uh, coming actually today would be the start of Nationals in three weeks. I can't believe it's uh, right around the corner. So uh, we're we're in the middle of preparing that. So uh, tonight we're uh, we're going to discuss uh, what we do for uh, preparations for any of the big events, not just agility, but since Mary's specialization is uh, obedience and rally, we're going to have that discussion too to figure out what do we do and how much time does it take? Because right now I am doing i have my you know my full-time job which is not um uh, not judging it's actually working uh working for a dog food company so uh, i don't have uh, all the free time in the world but i do have a half hour break in the morning and a half hour lunch so um i'm doing pretty much right now at this point i'm doing what i call two days um for the dogs i don't really do much at night other than physical fitness but uh, right now, uh, we're doing, I've got three dogs that are all going to nationals. And uh, what I'm doing at the moment is um, the two days. So because I got 30 minutes each, so each dog gets 10 minutes for each one of my breaks. And so then we start focusing on uh, just some of the stuff that we need to brush up on. So right now, I'm working on Kyber's uh, dog walk right now. Make sure that that's proof for all the exits as best as possible working on some additional jumping skills at this point. So uh, those are just some small things I work with him. But, uh, you know, I've come to find out that, you know, I thought I would need a lot longer to train. And maybe for classes because there's more people in it. You know, we need more time. We need that hour training there just to give everybody a break. But coming to find out, and this has become more prevalent just with this last, uh, last set of training before nationals, is that, 10 minutes, you can do a lot in 10 minutes. I really didn't realize it, but I set the timer. And to be honest, I was kind of looking at the timer going, oh, my God, is it 10 minutes yet? Am I done yet? Because we're still going, <laughs> and I still got a lot of stuff to do here. Absolutely. But, well, and I find the same thing yeah. because if you know what you need to work on, if you know your weak spots and, you know, you can be pretty focused in what you're doing, and especially, I think, with agility dogs, our time in the ring isn't that long. So, you know, you hit right. some of the skills you really need to hit and you don't have to just run course, run course, run course, run course, run course. You need to practice those skills, do some motivational things and stuff like that. So like what kind of things, you know, you have three very different dogs. You have old reliable who's been there, done that you have young up and coming and too young and up and coming, but two very different dogs. So like how do your training sessions differ between, especially say Kyber and Pix, your two younger dogs. Yeah, so with Kyber, um, the one things that I'm really working on are lines. And I'm also trying to differentiate some verbals with backsides versus taking front sides of jumps, working on throttles. Because when he broke his leg, I lost all that extra time of building that fundamentals and those foundations with him. And I'm just now getting to the point where I would have been a year ago. So I'm looking at going what skill sets am I missing here? Where where are my foundations lacking here? And it's coming to find that more and more of these courses that I'm working is I need some more verbal uh, skill sets because on Wednesday nights, I have class and I do uh, international work. And the more and more that we're doing over there, the more and more I'm realizing that verbals are 
a phenomenal thing because yes, I do have long legs and I can get to places where a lot of people are not able to get to. That's just you know my small blessing for my physique. So I'm very happy that I do have that one advantage, but there are going to be times where my physique is not going to help me uh, get what I need to do when I need to finesse something. So I am right now tidying up a lot of my verbals between backsides and threadles and front sides, because when I start focusing on backsides, all of a sudden, Kyber has generalized everything's a backside, even if it wasn't even remotely close to a backside. So, and that also includes the uh, the backside of a tunnel too, when that tunnel entrance is not a uh, not apparent to the dog as well. So that's another big thing I'm working on. But when we come to picks, I have to be even more precise with them because he's definitely not a border collie, even though he seems to think he's a border collie as fast as he runs with them. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he does not have the same work ethic or attitude. I love him to death, but I have to be very, very precise. I have to actually go with the plan because with the border collies, I go, uh, we're just going to do everything in the yard and not have an actual plan uh, before I got picks. And now with picks, I have learned that I do actually have to go out with a plan in mind even as while I'm walking out the door with him, I still have to go, all right, what are we actually going to work on here? Because he does not have the work ethic and the longevity that the border collies do. Because he'll go, I, I did this three times. I'm done. I quit. Find something else or I, I'm fire me. I don't care. I'm done. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. okay, that, that's fair. <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, like the border collies, I'm sure you can attest like vengeance. You'll Vengeance will just work mm -hmm. until vengeance decides to go, I drop, I quit, I can't do anymore, but I will try and go again. Yep. You could cut all his legs off and he'd still work. And, well, and border collies seem to enjoy the repetition to a point. Like, I you, I trained a border collie back in high school, early college years, and great dog, but a very different dog mentally to train than any of the Sammies that I've trained in that they kind of thrive on that and you know one of the reasons that i mean i loved my border collie he was a great dog um but also he and i probably didn't jive as well personality wise because i'm a lot more like my sammy's where it's like okay i did this a couple times now what you know <laughs> Whereas, <Right>. you know <laughs> so, to be honest, like the way i like to train one of the reasons i like my sammies is because we're both kind of like okay we did that let's do something else and whereas my border collie loved to do he was like oh can i do the same thing 10 times in a row that'd be great you know inventions <laughs> is totally like, oh, let's do this over and over again and right it's right. a different kind yeah, of that my dog you know right yeah because well because last night it was dark and we had we were working underneath the lights and well, we had a we were working on um, Alex Bettle, and I probably I probably butchered his name for the European judge, but I apologize for that in advance. Um, but we were working his courses, and you know, it was a good twenty two obstacle course, and it was it was still rather warm, so it was like sixty five last night, and I should have worn shorts, but uh, Kyber was not used to that, and so by the time we were done working last night, the second time out there. Uh, he was uh, he was panting pretty hard and he was frothing pretty good too. I'm like going, oh oh yeah, you don't know how to stop. I have to be the adult for this one. Uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah. yeah. So back to back to picks though. Um, so with picks, I right now what I'm working on with him is just obstacle focusing and actually building his drive and seeing how much of a distance I can get with him because. 
Um, while I'm prepping for AKC Nationals, I'm also building my readiness for the U.S. Open this year because the distances are so much greater. And I'm not lazy, but I know I don't want to run three dogs in all those courses and have to actually <laughs> run every single step. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so I'm working on building his drive to tunnels from 30 foot, 40 foot away and seeing how fast I can get him. And his motivation is honestly, it's toys. It really is. He'll do mm -hmm. food, but he's like, ah, okay, whatever. I mean, it, it's food. Cool. But the fun part though, is like, I'm working on his dog walk and uh, he's got a phenomenal dog walk at trials the dog has yet to miss i think more than two in train or two in trials but when it comes to training i cannot figure out what kind of dog i'm going to get because he hits it at about a 70 percent rate and at trial he sucks all the way down all four feet go through it he flies at it right now actually it's kind of fun because the last uk trial i took him to the work uh for training or for uh, competing at uh I have never seen a dog actually vault the apex of both sides of the dog walk while he's flying across. And I'm like, okay, why, why can't I get that at home? And it's, it goes to show, you know, that the trial atmosphere is just so different than what you can get at training. I can't, I can't even replicate that. If I were to take him to class, it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and I actually have the same thing with Hex with her A-frame. Like anyone who's seen, in fact, if you follow me on Facebook, I shared a video of Hex from Novice Preferred, which was, she was young back then, very young. And she does her A-frame where she literally launches from the far side and doesn't touch A-frame again until she's at the bottom of the yellow onion. <laughs> now, this dog is eight years old. I have been training and training and training. I cannot, almost never can I get her at this point. I mean, she's very smart. I usually can't get her high enough to get her to screw up her A-frame in training. But 99% of the time, especially if she hasn't trialed in a while, her first A-frame of the weekend, she's like, all bets are off. And the chances that any of her feet are going to come anywhere near yellow is very small. And then I'd be like, no, that's not it. And then she's like, oh, that's right. And then she does it the rest of the weekend. But, you know, I... I'm usually pretty good at recreating trial situations or doing something. And I think at this point she just, she'll give me a look and a little glint in her eye and be like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here comes the heck show. Yep. And she just like, I'm just like, well, this is going to be funny. So, you know, that's just, that's just what we get. And I, I'm just like, just don't hurt yourself and it's fine. But you know, yeah, it's all good. There's been a few times with the A-frame for picks that um, he's vaulted and he's become a flying squirrel over that A-frame. And the <laughs> one that comes to mind was the day he got officially measured to 8 inches because he was always teetering between 12 and 8 inch legal measurement for AKC. And I've been running mm -hmm. him at 12 because I figured worse comes to worse. Okay, you've always run 12 inches, no big deal. But, you know, if you get down to 8, even better for you because then I know you'll never have a problem. But... The difference with that right. is that the A-frame drops uh, six inches. And I didn't exactly, like, right. you know, prep them. I didn't go, hey, Picks, by the way, that's a low A-frame, so you don't have to, like, launch over the top of it. I didn't think about it in the least bit. Oh, no. That first A-frame, there had to have been about two foot of air. If I can find that video again, I'll post it. But, oh, I watched it from the sides. I'm running going, oh, oh, that's that's some hang time he got there. And, yeah, I've never seen a Papillon go from about halfway on the downside or the upside to 
all the way in the yellow on the downside. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. Poor picks. He's, he's been an adventure <laughs> for me. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, back to the whole 10 minutes thing. You know, it's very targeted because I find it to be more, more effective for training for – well, really anything, because 10 minutes, I mean, that's 600 seconds. I mean, that's that's a lot of time when you actually break it down, because you realize, like, for me, I have 30 minutes, and I have to be back on the phones at that point in time, or as I get in trouble at work. So I have to make sure I am very, very targeted for everything that I do. So, you know, while I may do just one jump work, I only may do four or five reps, you know, that's, that's only maybe... 40 seconds at best. That's not even, that's not even a full minute's worth of work there. Do a handful of dog walk exercises. And okay, that's maybe that's a minute and a half there at best. Now we're still looking at, I still have seven and a half minutes worth of work. So what do I do? Okay. So let's work some tunnel skills. Let's work a frame drills. There's just in 10 minutes, you can have a pretty well-trained dog if you are focused on it and you are very precise about what you're asking for. And I know, especially for obedience, this is where you come in. You have to be exactly precise because obedience is judged on your preciseness and accuracy there. Exactly. And, you know, and one thing, one thing that I'm hearing you say, and that I also find when I'm training is you have to be really aware of your dog's strengths and weaknesses so that when you're training, yeah, you want to hit some of the strengths because it feels good for both of you, but you really want to, when you have a short period of time, you want to work on your weaknesses because you want to make them stronger. And that's one thing that I find with obedience is that I'm always like, if I don't have a lot of time, I'm looking at what things are the weakest areas are my, for my dog. What things are the things that maybe aren't their favorite? So I'm trying to work it and, you know, remind them, A, they have to do it. And B, hey, when you do it well, we're going to have a nice reward. Um, or maybe something that they don't understand that well yet. I mean, it kind of depends on the dog. So, for instance, Hex, when she was working on her Och, she was you know, she's trained, like she knows all the exercises. There's no exercise that I have to explain to her or clarify for her. But she also, Hex hates to retrieve. Like the reason she didn't continue showing long afterwards is I promised her that once she finished this, she didn't have to retrieve anymore because she doesn't like it. And half of open and utility is retrieving. So <laughs> what I was doing is I was creating ways, and I do this a lot with my obedience dogs, my rally dogs, is I don't do a lot of just running through stuff. I look for ways to proof it. I work for ways for making it more challenging. And so for Hex, because retrieving wasn't her favorite thing in the world to do, if I only had a few minutes to train, I would set up something where I'd set up, say, difficult pickups on the dumbbell where I throw it in the heart, long grass and she has to go find it or I'd toss it under a chair and she has to reach under and get it. And then I turn sideways, so she has to really work her front coming back. Or maybe I'll do short distances down the retrieve, so she really has to think about trotting out and trotting back. Or, you know, do some stuff like that. And, and then with my obedience dogs, I tend to work, you know, you have to do it right once in the ring. So, okay, in training, you have to do it right twice or maybe three times. And then you get a jackpot reward as opposed to being rewarded after every one. I find that doing that kind of stuff... First of all, it reminds them of their job, but also it starts to make them understand that they've got to work and it makes them excited about it because they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm solving this problem. I'm doing this difficult thing. And then I get in the ring and they don't have to do it once and it's a straightforward retrieve. Well, and they're like, heck yeah, this is easy, you know? 
So I set them up for that kind of thing. Or if I have a dog that maybe is a little weak in their healing, um, I'll do some of my, what I call bad footwork healing, where I intentionally do terrible footwork, you know, whipping around and taking off on an about turn or slamming into a halt. And I make it a game. Can you stick with me? Even though I'm doing a terrible job and the dogs, once they understand the game, they're just like, yeah, I can do that. You know, and they think they're pretty smart. So in a minute, I can do a whole lot of healing training where I really get the dog engaged and then they get in the ring and all they got to do is just stay with me on regular healing. Well, that's easy, you know? And so I do a lot of stuff like that where I'm really working on um, making their job a little harder, but kind of making it a game. Like, can you outsmart me so that I'm building drive? I'm building um, excitement about doing their job. So when they get in the ring, they're like, this is easy. And I totally got this. Um, one thing I do a lot, you know, I live in Iowa where it sucks, right? Like the weather sucks in the wintertime. I can't go outside and train. So I train fronts in my living room and like Sonnet, my dog that's working on her UDX and her odds and stuff right now, she really struggles with hind end awareness. So we do a ton of fronts in the living room where I'll turn just a little bit. Can you still line up? I'll, you know, do a bunch of jump up, come find your front, turn this way. Can you still find your front? or pivots or finishes. And so I can take three minutes and I can do a whole bunch of fronts and pivots and finishes and go back and forth between the two. And then she gets a big reward, a couple of big rewards in there. And I've helped her be better for the ring. So you can get a lot done in a short period of time. If you're focused on what their weak spots are or what areas of each exercise are the weak spots that you need to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is, I think the hardest thing for every handler to be out there. Every trainer is to go, what is my dog's weakness? Because we always like to think our dogs are perfect, but we have to take that outside approach and going, well, yeah, this is actually where my dog sucks. This is where I failed right. my dog for training at this point. And you know what? The cool part is it's fixable. It's just, you have to be, Absolutely. it's like AA. The first step is admitting that you have a, uh, you, you have a problem. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, or anything, but I've heard those steps before. Give me a minute. No. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I think that people sometimes do is we avoid it. Maybe we're not sure how to fix it or we're, we're like, or maybe it's not even the weak part for the dog. It's our weak part. And instead of trying to figure out creative ways, to it, we avoid it. And I think, again, if you try to be targeted and one thing that I tell people to do, like, I'm pretty good at making lists in my head about this. So I'll kind of, you know, like, okay, Hex needs to work on her retrieving and Luna needs to work on her stays and Raz needs to work on her healing and Sonnet needs to work on her fronts. And I'll kind of do that in my head. But some people aren't like, that's not as good for them. So I'll say like, have a, have a list, you know, have a dry erase board or have and make check marks or do a spreadsheet on your computer or make a list on your phone or whatever. And then, you know, plan it out. Okay. I've got five minutes on Monday. I'm going to work fronts on Monday. And then Tuesday I'm going to work healing. And then Wednesday I'm going to go out and work my weed poles. And then Thursday, maybe I'll do my retrieving, you know, so you're planning out what you're going to do a little bit to help you be more guided. And you can sure do that where you actually physically make some sort of list to help yourself so that you don't fall in that trap of avoiding the stuff that that you really need to be working on right because typically the stuff that we need to be working on isn't fun that's the hard part right and it's not going to get fun unless we work on it and 
become more comfortable with it. And I'm not saying you have to work hard all the time. Like, and I will say like, sometimes I will very intentionally with my dogs, especially if we've had a rough session, like maybe there's something they're really struggling with. I will quite intentionally avoid that thing for a session or two then and do some couple of things that they really, really like to do that. I know I can be super rewarding that I know that they're not going to have, you know, they shouldn't struggle with it. And then, so they don't go, gosh, every single session we have to do this, you know, and then as it becomes a strength, as it becomes not such a big deal. And then you and the dog quit, going, oh, no, we have to work on this again, you know, and then it gets better, but it doesn't mean you have to drill it every single day either, like, work it a few days, give yourselves a break, both of you a break, and then come back to it until it becomes a thing, you're like, well, we can do this, this is not a problem, you know, it might not ever become your favorite thing, but at least it becomes a thing that you don't struggle with, you know? Right, well, and I'm an adult, so nobody can tell me I have to to do it but right. the fun part is that that comes back to bite you in the ass because well i mean nobody told me i have to do it but then all of a sudden oh, i go to a trial and going crap i knew i should have done this and now i should have done my homework and i can't tell a teacher or the judge hey dog ate my homework. i'm sorry but yeah uh, exactly not for me right right yep and you know you have to you have to be like, okay, I'm the one that decided to sign the entry form, so I'm the one that's got to decide to train the dog. So, right. Although right now, the way my signature is going right now, it could be that the dogs are actually signing it. I don't I know. know right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure if Hex was signing the entry forms, it would look better than my signature on the bottom of the entry form. <laughs> well, and the cool part though for me is that. Uh, well, because I'm a because I'm a judge, obviously, and I build all these courses. I'm actually starting to find that I am building more sequences that I'm like going, hey, you know what? I need to go back home and actually train it because I don't know if my young dogs can do that skill set. I know Nitro, I could do it blindfolded and upside down or right. having to drink back in the long the lazy chair there. But Kyber and mm-hmm. Pixblain, ooh, ooh, things I forgot and I need to go train. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's certainly things that I go and I see like on a rally course or on an obedience trial, like even if it's not a class that I'm in and I'm going, Ooh, that's a situation I should probably practice, you know? And so you go home and work on it. And, yeah. And that's one of those things that when you're trying to, you go, okay, let's do this. Try to make a note, mental note, or even an actual note. If you don't trust yourself, remember and go work on it. Wait, are you saying your memory fails at this point? Cause I mean, my memory never, never fails. Yeah. Just wait till you're old like me, man. Then you're going <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got the gray. Actually, I got the gray hair going on here. Oh, I probably would if it didn't have highlight on the top of it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I have a little chemical assistance to hide all the gray. So, actually, a really great piece of advice that I got from an ob- from an agility judge. This was years ago, um, and I'm going to totally blank on his name for a minute, but maybe it'll come back to me. Um, but he was judging our Samoyed National in Indiana in 2009, and he did a seminar for us. And one thing that he does is he keeps course maps. And if he has a problem, he marks down where the problem was and what it was. And then he um, looks at that in training and is like, oh, my dog is consistently knocking the first jump after the table or my dog is struggling to hit weep pull entrance if they're coming out of a tunnel or whatever 
And then that helps him in his training. And that's certainly something also that you can do in a rally course where you can go, oh, gee, if my dog has a sit down heel, they struggle to get their attention back or whatever, you know. So if you're having a or maybe my dog, if they have to do the send over the jump handler passes by and promptly go into a left about turn, my dog is struggling with that. And so you can make those notes and help guide your training. And that's something if you struggle a little bit with what to do when you only have a short period of time, that can be something that can help you is make notes about what what went wrong and what happened before and afterwards things went wrong to help you figure out what you need to train. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's always the hardest part is where are the holes in the training out there, especially right before the big events like nationals and where everybody's going to be there, everybody's watching you. Uh, but, you know, that speaking of the big events, what's your opinion on as far as when do you bubble wrap your dogs? When, when do we put them up in protection mode before the event? Well, and I think, like, for me, I've only done one one big agility event. And so mm-hmm. I bubble wrapped um, about two weeks out where I tried to be extra, extra careful with what we did. Obedience, you don't have to bubble. Obedience and rally, you don't have to bubble wrap quite as hard because they're not as physically intensive. Um, sure. But I still, you know, two-ish weeks out, two to three weeks out, I try to be extra a little extra careful, a little smarter about what we're doing. Um, you know, try to get your last Cairo adjustments, your last massages in. Maybe if, you know, it's a rainy, slippery day, maybe the dogs that are competing go out separate from the dogs that aren't competing or the young, stupid ones that are going to crash into them or whatever. Um, <laughs> maybe be a little more careful about where you go and who you're around so your dog doesn't do something like pick up kennel cough last minute or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, so I would say for me or, that two-ish week window is, you know, where I try to be a little extra careful. And then that kind of that last week of is I try to make sure, you know, a few days out, if I can get a last minute massage, last minute Cairo adjustment on the dogs, make sure everything, you know, make sure I also look ahead probably within the month ahead of time, if any vaccines are coming due, get those done a couple of weeks ahead of time so that, I'm not, I have the full protection of those vaccines before I go off to the event, that kind of thing. So that my dog is as ready as I can get them, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely there. And well, and this year is going to be a little bit different for me going to nationals because I'm literally judging for three days and I don't get home until that Monday before I leave on that Wednesday night. So I'm literally going to be home mm-hmm. for, a grand total of two days before I got to pack the camper up and throw them back in there. But when I go judge, cause I'm going to be out of town, I'm going to be up in Nebraska. So if you know, anybody's up there listening here, come out and say hi and, you know, maybe get some brownie points for judging and whatnot. I'm not saying that out loud. Right. I, I promise I won't bribe <laughs> anybody. Um, but uh, so I obviously nobody's coming with me and my parents, God love them. Cause they do absolutely help me take care of the dogs while I'm out of town judging. Um, but I told them the night because we were out tonight for uh, celebrate my mom's birthday. And they always, my mom loves to exercise the dogs and she loves taking them out and letting them run and getting the border collies, you know, worn out. And she always sends me a message goes, Hey, you should see how many steps your dogs put on because they all have the uh, activity five collars on just because um, I love the collars because it kind of keeps me 
um, honest about how much I'm working the dogs, especially like Nitro, because Nitro is a very, very low key dog when he's at home because he likes to be up in his closet sleeping until it's time to go work. So it's very easy to forget him. So I use that as a very good indicator going, oh, you've only had about 5,000 steps. So you've really not done anything. It's time to go get to the treadmill or we're going for a walk. We're going out to Home Depot, something because you need more exercise. Well, my mom right. always likes to send me a text goes, hey, you should check how many steps the boys did today. And it's like, oh, we're at 35. We're at 40,000 steps. I'm going, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. And then tonight I was like, um, so just so you know, I don't want to get a single text message like that because they are <laughs> under bubble wrap. When I drop them off on Thursday morning to you, they are under bubble wrap until I get them home right. that night. Because <laughs> uh, I'm very fortunate my chiropractor loves me enough that she will come do a house call because I can't, well, because um, next Monday is when she's at the office, but she will do a house call for me. So God love her for it. Cause I will need that adjustment for her right before we go. So it's perfect timing mm-hmm. for us. So um, I'm pretty sure once we get that last adjustment, it will be pretty much just physical fitness work from us. Um, mm-hmm. No more, maybe a little bit of agility training just to get my mindset just right. Since I will have been going to switch from judge mode to, competitive mode so we'll do a little bit of you know just refreshers nothing nothing crazy um at that point but yeah so um i agree with you you know definitely a couple weeks out you start backing off everything and stop and really start paying attention to who your dogs are with where they're at how much exercise they're getting because the last thing you want to do is definitely have a somebody slip and pull a muscle or god forbid they break a bone somewhere um my other thing is uh not to do your dog's nails within about five, three to four days before going to any big event because I don't know about you, but there have been a few times where I have uh, nicked my dog's nails and why I decided to do it uh, the day before I left for the trial and we're going on that uh, super really uh, heavy friction of turf that basically is just like running on sand pad, which is great for turf mm-hmm. or great for traction, but uh terrible on the quick when you've already nicked it once and all of a sudden now your dog is bleeding like a stuffed pig you know like i've only done that once or twice in my life and won't do that again right well and see for me that depends on the event because yeah if i'm doing agility i will tend to try to wait you know do nails a few days before and then not do them again until we're done for obedience i do like to have them a little shorter but again you're not sure it's a lower impact sport they're not digging in and gripping and so right. for obedience dogs or confirmation dogs, if say I'm going to my national specialty or something like that, then I'll do the nails right before. So their feet look all nice and there's no clicking because that makes me want to tear my hair out. And so it just depends. <laughs> what <I'm doing. laughs> well, I mean, I don't know, Mary, I'm, I'm looking right now. It's looked like you've pulled a few spots. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Well, see, that's because I live with the Border Collie, and he rips with his toes all the time. So I think ouch, I'd have to rip all his toes out for him to not click. He just, he always, when he walks over, he's, so I'll freshly do his nails, and he'll still, he'll still click. And I'm just like, I can't even, I'm, I, I get a twitch. I just can't even do it. But, but like when he goes, say, when we go to tryouts or something, or especially if we're going to go run in the dirt, like, I believe Nationals are, are there in Tulsa this year in the dirt? They are in Tulsa on dirt. So, yes, nails longer are going to be allowed on my side. Mm-hmm. And so I would absolutely do that and just give myself the nervous twitch when I've got them back at the hotel or whatever and I can hear their feet clicking. But, you know, I 
absolutely try to like for me in my house, normally nail day is on Friday, unless we're going to go run on dirt somewhere or unless there's a reason, you know, and then I'll try, I'll adjust it accordingly. But absolutely. If I was heading right. to Tulsa, absolutely. I'll be staying longer. So. <laughs> yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. As we're going to go run this weekend in blue spring. So if you're out there, come say hi to me and uh, be happy to chat with you. And we'll, uh, we'll be happy to find some other topics that you might want to hear from us. Uh, but yeah, so like I did all my guys nails on Monday just because it gives me three to four days of healing if I did happen to get a little too close for them, but not enough time or it's not too short time where they won't grow back if they do get a little overkill on the turf there. So, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, I don't know, it's pretty easy to at least keep those nails trimmed short or long depending on the surface because surface surface is very much, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people who's a surface snob. Because yeah. I will not run on run a dog on horse stall matting. I absolutely have seen yeah. Nitro in fact actually on Facebook memories today that um one of the first few trials when Nitro was back in open way back in like 2014 that um he was on horse stall matting and I cringed literally today because I watched him make turns and was literally watching him like on ice skates trying to slide and get around there mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm like, oh, nope, never again will I ever put any of my dogs on that one, even picks, because he's not a slow dog. He's high drive, and I, I'd rather just not risk a uh, a knee getting blown out or a ligament getting torn just because they keep snapping those ligaments out there. So, yeah, I'm definitely, it's uh, turf, dirt, or uh, grass for me at this point in life. Yeah. Well, and I agree with you. I, uh, there are, you know, it depends on the dog and the surface, and like I find for me, like I like, we have some trials locally that are on dirt and my younger dogs love the dirt. My knees hate the dirt. I usually hurt like crazy, but I'll happily <laughs> run the dogs on the dirt anyway, because who cares if I hurt afterwards. Right. But I have found that my dogs, <laughs> as they get older, don't like the dirt as well. So like my, my right. previous dog, Maestro, um, when he got a little older, I just didn't run him on the dirt anymore because he just he seemed to have the same problems I did on the dirt as he got older once he got closer to his retirement. So you know we just kind of made that decision and you know I have to be hacks have to be a little careful. I have you know I have to kind of know the lighting in places because she with her one eye um she doesn't always see as well like it kind of kills me because I love the local trials that we have on dirt. I love the people that have them I love the the facility I love going but I don't run hex on it anymore because it's brown dirt and yellow lights and she can't see that well. And I don't want her to hurt herself. So she sits in the car when we go to that trial and those trials and she uh, tells me all about it when (laughs) I come back from running the other dogs, (laughs) but uh, I don't run her because it's not, it's not safe. And so, and that doesn't matter whether there's a big event coming up or not. That's just, I want my dog to walk out of there on on four legs and I'm supposed to, like like you said earlier, we're supposed to be the grown ups here, so we're supposed to be making the good choices. So <laughs> you know, I try to hey, try I, to make those good no, choices no, for I them. don't want to be a grown up. <laughs> they have to pay taxes and they have to have jobs know, right? and they gotta pay bills. No, I just wanna be like a kid again and somebody else pays my stuff for me. <laughs> well, that, that part would be great, but I will be the grown up when it comes to my dogs and what surface they have to be on and <laughs> trying to keep them right. safe. I try. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We do everything we can to keep them safe. Um, I mean, and for me, like in between runs now, uh, I'm at the point where I am very, very conscientious of 
making sure that they wear their back on tracks in between runs, even if it's summertime, even if it's wintertime, it doesn't matter. In between runs, I will make sure that they get their back on tracks back on as much as possible because I have found it has helped Nitro so much between runs because he was able to knock out a whole weekend of UKI and not be sore by the end of the weekend or let alone lately it would have been, you know, before we, uh, before we moved him down, he would have been sore by the end of day one and day two might not have been a possibility, but that back on track, I, I swear by it now, it's just been a phenomenal product and has given life to nitro more than I had actually ever expected to do that. And see, for me, my big focus is like vengeance has a back on track coat that he wears. I haven't done it with the sameies yet. Cause I'm like, is it even going to get through the coat? But with mine, and especially as I get closer to a big event, I try to really be focused on just making sure I give them a good warm up and cool down. Even, um, you know, obviously, especially for agility, but also for obedience and rally, because they do, they have to work, you know, they have to jump, they have to heal, they have to use their body. And I want to make sure, and a lot of times the surface that we're on when we're doing obedience is not as, forgiving for some of these athletic endeavors as it is for agility. And so I really want to make sure my dog mm -hmm. is warm. I mean, yeah, they're the jumping is much more controlled. The dog always knows what angle they're supposed to jump at and that kind of thing. And the jumps aren't necessarily as high, but yeah. I just want to make sure. So I get, and I, especially like when you're at the big event, like sometimes you get nervous and you kind of forget. And so I try to really be conscientious of having a good warm up and cool down plan so that that's part of my routine so that when I go to that event, when I'm preparing for the event, I'm making sure my dog is getting that warm up and cool down time so that their body is as ready as it can be. And again, you know, trying to avoid injuries and trying to, and then mentally too, like that becomes, you know, you practice that as part of your training, you practice that as part of your routine. And so not only does it get your dog physically ready, but it gets them mentally ready too. They're like, okay, I know that we're doing this stuff. So I know I'm going to have to be ready to work now. And, you know, so that's, that's a big part of it too. Yeah, absolutely there. Well, switching gears. So let's, let's talk about some of our favorite things about dog shows. Like what, what drives us to go to these things here? Cause I mean, for me, I like to be, at the trials for the crowds. That's one of the things I do like to do, even though I am a major introvert and I'm not highly social necessarily at the trials, but I do like to be around the crowds themselves, especially when it comes to the dogs, because I, I think for me, because at the end of the day, it is a performance and people that I don't even know are actually even watching me come up to me, or even as I'm walking by, they obviously they've watched my runs and they, just pay massive compliments to it because most of the time I have pretty pretty nice runs. I, I will brag because mm -hmm. my dogs are they're great. I put so much time into yep. them, and I, I feel like I get the uh, the opportunity to brag for it. Absolutely. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. But to me, it, it's to me, it's just like it's great to get, get that validation that you know people are like, wow, that is just that is just phenomenal. And to me, that's just that that's a big thing for me is that you know people recognize that that's the hard work that's put into my dogs and. I, I greatly appreciate that because sometimes they see things that I don't even know because um, there was one trial fact actually it was actually in your neck of the woods and uh, it was you were I think we were there the weekend that picks qualify for nationals and uh, there was a short 10 foot tunnel that 
was slightly curved at like about 45 degrees and I had done a blind cross and picks was coming through it and I didn't see it, but uh, somebody had told me that picks had pretty much you know, banked all the way up top of the, uh, the tunnel and fell down because he had come so oh, far across or so hard through it. And I was like going, where's picks? Why is he like, no, my timing's all off. Why <laughs> is it all off? And somebody's like, you know, right. he almost like fell completely on his back when he came out of tunnel going, I oh did gosh. not see that because I couldn't see that. I'm like, oh, well, good boy for like, coming up and finishing off the run and getting that cue for me. So um, it's stuff right. like that. I, I do appreciate when people are actually that in tune that are actually watching um, for those runs there because I do like to be that person that people like to strive to be and strive to beat because <laughs> I like competition and I like people when they come up and they, you know, they want to be competitive and they want to beat me. And, you know, heck, when I used to teach and I always told my students, if you can beat me, I will give you full round of applause because I'm not going to make it easy for you just because you're one of my students. I am going to lay it down on the line. And if you beat me at that point, I will I will totally back off and go, hey, you know what? Phenomenal run. I am really proud of you at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I like the competition. I like the test. Can we go out there in this specific time and place, whether it's a agility run, obedience rally, you know, is my handling on, is my training on, is my dog on, like getting everybody mentally and physically everything on the same page and testing, can you do it, you know? And right. and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like Hex's best run in the ring was a 199. And boy, that felt good that day. And we were in the ring and I remember doing it and, man, it felt good. Like everything I was like, that was awesome. And like, when you're clicking like that, it just feels good. But also I've had runs that are that satisfying, you know, with a dog, it kind of depends on the dog. Like is my dog performing at the best of their capability in that moment? And like earlier this or the end of last year, when um, I was showing Nelson, who was in training with me, he's the youngest Samoya to have a CD. Well, Nelson wasn't trained to get high scores, but to be in the ring with this adorable six month old puppy who is staring into my eyes adoringly as we're healing. I mean, that's just awesome to go in there and be like, Oh, this dog is just trying his heart out. And so that's, that's probably one of my favorite parts. And then, like you said too, the, the camaraderie, like some of my very best friends are dog people. And so, and I'm not good on my own at reaching out to people and being like, Hey, let's go do something. Like I don't get together. I mean, first of all, my schedule's insane. And so, there's not a lot of time for social stuff. So it's like the extra time at a dog show can be your social time. Like I was in Wisconsin last Thursday and Friday doing a confirmation show while I'm hanging out with my friends while we're grooming and hanging out ringside and talking to people I haven't seen in ages that I adore. And then we go out to dinner later and I get to catch up with them and that kind of stuff. That's really fun. And then probably the other thing is, is, one of the good things about dog shows is even if the wheels totally fall off the bus, somebody that you like is probably having a good day. So, you know, like even if you can't cheer for yourself that day, somebody, <laughs> somebody's having a good day. And if not, then you kind of can all commiserate together. I saw one of my favorite dog show memories was back when I first got into the B classes in obedience. I was, I don't know, like around 18, 19 years old. And I had my border collie and there was a whole group of us that had gone down to Quincy, Illinois for an obedience trial. And we all failed. I mean, all of us. And there is a, and so we went to the photographer and we took a picture. I still have this picture and it's still, I love it. 
And it's there's like, I mean, and there's some excellent dogs. There's dogs with UDXs. There's dogs that set records in their breed. And we're all sitting out there. There's like, I don't know, six or seven of us. There's Och dogs. But none of us could pass to save our life. And so we all got together and took a picture. It was great fun. That's, I don't remember who actually won that weekend, but I remember we had a good time, you know? And so that's part of it too, is like, you know, sometimes the wheels fall off the bus and you just look at it and you're like, well, okay. (laughs) And you laugh and you take your picture and you have your memory and try again next time. So, you know, it. It, it can be about the good stuff happening or it can be about just the camaraderie and the, or sometimes it's just the funny, like, oh, you know, sometimes you get a pretty epic, a pretty epic mess up and that's what you remember later on. Like Natalie one time threw a shoe on the obedient or on the agility course. She was running <laughs> and she tossed a shoe right in front of a tunnel and she continued to run. Well, they take the tunnel again. Well, thank goodness it was Peach, the most perfect dog that ever lived. Peach ran right by the shoe, went in the tunnel, finished. They ran clean. They qualified on that course. The judge went over and picked up the shoe. And Natalie does not have the most pleasant smelling feet. And this, this judge is carrying the shoe out at the end of her arm like she's got a dead fish or something. <laughs> and, you know, that's like that that's a great memory and it's just like you know that kind of stuff it's just you get all kinds of that kind of stuff at at dog shows and it's just it's just cool like that kind of fun thing from the time we shoved a bunch of diet coke or diet pepsi in our friend's crate overnight and then when she went to put her dog in the morning she's trying to shove her dog in the crate and she can't figure out why she can't get her dog in the crate and she's like come on get in there (laughs) i can't it's full of diet pepsi you know kind of stuff that that sticks with you well i mean well speaking going down memory lane a couple things come to mind um and this was actually at perina one time where apparently because i'm really cheap when it comes to shoes and i i tend to wear my shoes out like i wear my cars out so i don't have any trading value left on my cars i i wear i drive until they are they need to be towed away before i get my new car so (laughs) This pair of shoes, I literally, you say nearly threw a shoe. I ran through my shoe (laughs) where I literally had the bottom of the shoe actually literally came out in the middle of the run. And I actually, I felt it coming on while I'm running nitro and I'm going, oh God, here we go. This is good. This is going to be the end of me for running here. And I held on (laughs) up until the very end of that, where I blew all the way through that shoe and Unfortunately, I didn't get the cue, but I'm still going, crap, I actually managed to run that, and I ran through my shoe there. <laughs> but my favorite still memory, and, well, I don't know, the, the audience may have not appreciated the uh, seeing me do a, a half moon to them because this was down in <laughs> Texas, and it was the World Series of Dog Shows. And so it's a big exhibitor, big um, – big event where anybody all the uh, all the people from around town or coming out of town can come and just watch it's just a it's a big conglomerate of every dog show you know dock diving obedience agility even uh, barn hunt stuff like that and this is a big massive show you got all the dog vendors and whatnot so you know there's hundreds and thousands of people walking around watching and here we've got this big pile of dirt that we're 
running agility on. They trucked it in. It was great. Um, and, you know, those who know me and know Nitro, our signature for ending was always he'd leap up in my arms. Well, 90% of the time, it, it went well for every single run. There's the 10% where Nitro, I think, likes to see if he can take advantage of me and either knock me on my feet or knock me off my feet or see what else he can get me to do. Because he has, he's changed up his plan a couple of times. And he's caught me off guard. Well, this time we finished a run and he was so like over top because everybody's cheering for him. And I mean, I think it just went to his head, but he comes up and he hits me in full frontal and I mean, I took a step back and I was already off balance. And I think that's when he knew when he was going to get me. And I did a full back roll. And unfortunately, my shorts were kind of a little down at that point. And then the dirt was not bad. So I did a full back roll. And yeah, um, half the backside was kind of showing on that one. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I wanted to do. But those are the embarrassing fun moments there. But and for me lately, I'm building more fun memories because now I bought a camper last year. And even though I didn't get to use it for the U.S. Open because I didn't get a spot, but I got to go camping with the dogs and actually got to experience what camping is, you know, in the camper with the dogs at a dog show. And I met some cool people out at these campsites. And, you know, fortunately, you know, one weekend I got to camp right next to a competitor. And she and I have become great friends and share lots of drinks at the campsite and lots of laughs as we're going along. So, you know, it's the friends you build out there and the memories and the road trips. I mean, all the road trips that we've taken. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because your best memories are not in the ring a lot of times. They're outside, like... Well, like I have a bunch of good ones from Natalie, you know, being, you know, she was five when she w trialed for the first time. And obviously she went along sure. with me to some stuff before then. And oh, like our friend Rilda, who always made sure the kid was on a sugar high by 9 a.m. You know, she'd always bring, <laughs> and, you know, she'd always bring Natalie candy and stuff like that and be like, it's fine to eat for breakfast. You're at a dog show and the kid would be buzzing. Well, that's, I mean, no, that's just a really fun memory, you know, and great and pseudo grandparents there. Exactly. Well, and you know, she uh, she has a whole herd of her dog show aunties that you know love to spoil her and stuff like that, and and some special memories too. Like same same lady, uh, she was uh, she had brain cancer, and you know some of the more special things that happened was her dog. One of her bucket list goals was that her dog would um, finish his mock. He needed one double Q, and the dog mm -hmm. ran for our friend and finish that double Q whole place lost its mind. Right. Dog wouldn't run for the friend again after she got, after he got that. <laughs> oh it's like he knew, but I yeah. mean, that's probably, you know, seeing her being able to have that happen, you know, being able to get that, that mock and, and the dog knowing, you know, some, some of the stuff that happens at a dog show, it's just special, you know, it's just, it's just, right everybody's cheering and everybody's hoping like the whole place is hoping with all they've got that, that you're going to get it done. And then when it happens, like that, that level of, of happiness is just, you know, it's cool. It's, it's beyond, it's more than just a ribbon or a certificate in the mail later. It's, it's just, it's something special. Right. Well, and like you said, you know, the memories are not in the runs because I can tell you right now, there are five specific runs in all of my agility career, starting with Nitro, that I can vividly, vividly remember runs for. The first one being, you know, his first time at, you know, 
well, let's say his novice debut, we'll start with that first one there. I mean, because that was, you know, my first novice dog on my own from scratch. You know, I will always remember that run. I'm glad I have it on video so I can always go back and watch it. But the next ones I remember, it was Nitro's first time at finals for nationals for AKC. Then it goes mm-hmm. with the first time in challengers round. And then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it was years before I had another memorable run. Um, it was actually until we went to Westminster where uh, we got to be at the crowd and we got to be there and almost make finals, getting that, getting the queue for at such a big event um, and a placement on top of that. So I was thrilled with that. But the last ones are, Honestly, the finals that I made for the U.S. Open with picks, Kyber, and Nitro, that was the mm-hmm. most memories I have of runs. Everything else, nothing. I, I couldn't tell you what I did two weeks ago at a UKI trial. I couldn't even remember yep. what the stats were, what they did for Q rates, what were good runs and bad runs. Because honestly, it's a blur at the end of the day. It's not the mm-hmm. runs. It is absolutely the journey at that point. Yep, Absolutely. Well, that's one of the things like I think about when I think about going to a show, like I think about too, like that time, you know, I like to take a little time with my dogs, like before we really warm up and get ready to go where we're just kind of hanging out. Like, like for instance, Sonnet likes to sit on my lap. Hex likes to lay down upside down at my feet and get her tummy rubbed where it's just kind of, you know, where you're not trying to socialize anymore. You're not really trying. You're just kind of, it's just you and the dog and you're just sort of hanging out and you're just kind of getting, getting there and kind of connecting, reconnecting. I mean, obviously you're connected anyway, but, and those moments, like that sticks with you too. Like just that moment with your dog, when you're like, remember that your partners and you're in this together and where you just kind of, you know, you're not thinking about, at that moment, you're not thinking about what you're going to do on course. You're not thinking about what you're going to do in the ring. You're just sitting there having a moment with your dog. And that's, that's, that's a pretty special part too. And I love, I love that part of it where you're just kind of the getting ready before you're getting ready. I guess that moment is, is right. one of my favorites. Oh yeah. And you know, stepping with your dog to learn that is always something you'll remember because you do not know if that is going to be the last time you get to step to the ring with your dog. Absolutely. Well, and that was really brought home with me for Hex because, you know, she's not supposed to be able to see. Um, <laughs> and so right. that was something that we had many discussions about. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I that was probably something that I was bad about thinking about before. And one thing that the glaucoma kind of did for me is made me appreciate all my dogs every time I step to the line or every time I even go out to train like that's in the back of my head. If this is the last time I ever get to do this with you, let's make it, let's make something good. That doesn't mean it all has to be good. It doesn't mean it has to be a cue. It doesn't mean, but try to find something positive. Try to end on a good note. If it's a training session because, and enjoy it because you don't know. And that's, yeah, it's, it's like soak that in because if it's the last time you want to, look back on it and not have regrets, you know? Yeah, absolutely there. I do appreciate you spending another wonderful hour with us here. But uh, as the music comes out there, it sounds like that's time for us to wrap it up. And uh, we will talk to you next time out here on the Four Paws Sports Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.